Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersina from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. Good morning, everyone. It is the Lawn and Garden Journal, and we are July 22nd, and you're going to probably say, where have we been? Well, business has taken toll a little bit. It's a little bit of a break. I do have things to look after here, but I'm happy to be back on the Lawn and Garden Journal for this morning. It's been quite the morning here, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about that, but I'm so happy to be back, and... Um, there's a little bit of activity, I told you, but it's all about, I think, the squirrels and the chipmunks, because last night I thought, okay, after being away for a little bit on business, uh, I come back and lo and behold, of course, there's a little squirrel that has been taking a little bit of advantage of some of the stuffing from my bistro set cushions outside, as he's, I think, got a little bit of half the cushion up the tree, and he's getting his uh, nesting going, I guess, for winter. Yep, not happy about it. And I thought, yes, I've been talking about the squirrel because the grandchildren have been watching the little squirrel hopping along the fence. We like him, but maybe not so much. But today, there's the tribute to the squirrel. Please listen to the flying squirrel. Of all the woodland creatures, the quaintest little sprite is the dainty flying squirrel in vest of shining white, in coat of silver-gray, a vest of shining white. His furry Quaker jacket is trimmed with stripe of black. A furry plume to match it is curling over his back. New curved with every motion, his plume curls over his back. No little newborn baby has pinker feet than he. Each tiny toe is cushioned with velvet cushions three. Three wee pink velvet cushions, almost too small to see. Who said the foot of a baby might attempt an angel's kiss? I know a score of schoolboys who put their lips to this, this wee foot of the squirrel, and left a loving kiss. The tiny thief has hidden my candy and my plum, and oh, here comes unbidden to gently nib my thumb. Down in his home, my pocket, he gently, gently nips my thumb. How strange the food he covets, the restless, restless white. Fred's old stuffed armadillo, he found a tempting bite. Fred's old stuffed armadillo, he, with ears of perfect fright. The lady roost great bureau, each foot a dragon's paw. The midget ate the nails from his famous antique claw. Oh, what a cruel beastie to hurt a dragon's claw. To autographic copies upon my choicest shelf, to every dainty volume, the rogue has helped himself. My books, oh dear, no matter, the rogue has helped himself. And yet, my little squirrel, your taste is not so bad. You've swallowed cared completely and psychologic lad, Ross Minnie you've digested, and can't in rads you've clad. Not on, my selfish rodent, lay all the sages low, my pretty lace and ribbons, 
They're yours, your weal or woe, my pocketbooks in tatters, because you liked it so. Oh, welcome back, everyone. You're listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal. Um, I'm just getting my heart a little bit under the uh, less beat or fastest. You will never believe what happened today. And as I was looking for uh, squirrel poems last night, thinking that I was going to give the little guy a tribute, lo and behold, it's 7.30, court 8 this morning, I'm sitting in my office quietly and getting ready for the show. And lo and behold, something pops up on my desk. It's a chipmunk. Well, this old girl gave out a, a little bit of a scream. No, not a little scream. It was a huge scream. <laughs> you have to see. So I don't know if it's foreshadowing on this or what, but the, uh, it is a clear sign that the, the squirrels and the chipmunks are foraging and looking for things. And uh, yeah, we have a little bit of a, uh, we have some cats here. So I think they were, he was, or he or she was coming in looking for maybe some of the nibbles of treats in here, but not in my office, but it sure woke me up this morning, and I think it might have woken up our entire greenhouse here. So it's a welcoming back to the Lawn and Garden Journal. Now, how are your gardens growing? I'd like to know, because on my trips away, yeah, I was looking for some new product in the garden center, but there was a little bit of a inspire for me, because after being in some buildings for a long time, I am a green girl and I love seeing outdoors. I always gravitate to wanting to see the sun and the greenery around me. And lo and behold, this time I was able to sneak away and I want you to just listen to the story about where I was. Because if you love gardening, there is always a botanical garden in the area that you're uh, in, a city, somewhere. So if you love gardening, if you ever have a chance to go to other cities, or even our own city. We have the leaf that's here. We have our Cinnaborn Park, which uh, you can go to and see a lot of the English gardens. It's beautiful to go to. But this one garden, I do have to give a little shout out. I did go to the Atlanta Botanical Gardens. I posted on some pictures. So if you follow me on Facebook or Instagram, you might be inspired to take it up or Google it and find out. Uh, I have a little I I like to say I like to do my own photography that's in there, so I do have a few photos of my own that I have on there. But I snuck away for two hours. Yep, I played hooky on my own self and went for two hours to play hooky. And the inspiration that's in there, the flow, the movement, the design aspect, it just delves you deeper into looking at how you are creating your own gardens and your own aspect of how things are placed. And if you love gardening, you will love looking at the way that they tied their each of their gardens together because they had an edible garden. They had a rose garden. And one of my favorites of the to- total thing was they had, and you're going to have to look this up, they had, if you know the movie Moana, they had Tafiti, which is the goddess. Uh, it is the goddess that is in the movie Moana. It was huge. It's the illusion of her head and her body coming out with her hand held out, which holds the flowing fountains of water. And it's all done in flowers. So you're going to have to find me on Facebook, Instagram, uh, look it up or Google it online. And the other one, you could have spent hours looking at her. It was just enticing. And the other little whimsy about this 
is the creativity of using, using artistry with wood and recycling and up, um, reusing something. It's sort of like up using, not taking it to the garbage, but using materials that we have. And as gardeners too, we see things, a broken clay pot, invert it, make a toad house. See how you can create something differently. Well, there's an artist that's also down there. His name was, uh, if I got it right, Thomas Dambo. And if you look at it, it is the most fantastic way of bringing yourself within a garden where you want to go the next step, the next measures. And he created gigantic trolls out of wood, refurbished wood, that have a characteristics within this forest that takes you on a path trail to find the next troll in which aspect that he was. One of them I know had uh, an unusual name and uh, a troll that looked after the birdhouses. Can you imagine 20, 30 foot high troll with a basket of netting of birdhouses on his back in full color. And as you whimsy through the forest, you can see a vision of him walking through the forest, putting these birdhouses up way in the trees. It's amazing. And I wanted to tell you about it because it was kind of that wow moment walking through this park and seeing what was there. Nature in itself gives us that wow factor. It's something that we truly, truly love. It has been an adventure in the morning talking about squirrels and again having the chipmunk in here. I know that mum has a little squirrel that occasionally runs along the back fence. They do give us a little bit of fun watching them, but they do cause a little bit of havoc that's in there. I know that uh, with the squirrels, sometimes we're feeding the birds right now and there's a lot of issues or contention between filling up the bird feeder for the birds or for the squirrels. This could be something that you may be dealing with and there are different ways of sort of eliminating them, caging them, but I know the wee squirrels and of course the chipmunk that was in my office this morning, they're all looking for something. They're looking for preparing for winter. We don't want to get into that form of thought about fall coming. But as we look at our gardens and as we look at the containers and plants, we can see slight telltale signs that this is coming. And we're already gearing up for the next season that's in there. And it's the beauty of the colors. I have to say that even some of the gardens, I follow some of the garden uh, clubs that are here visually. And when you post your pictures of what it is and what you're proud of, what you've made, There is a tickle of pride of the beauty that everyone has created. And each garden is different. Each garden has its own beauty. Each garden is done correctly because you love it and you've put so much work into it. We got Tina on the line. Good morning, Tina. Yes, good morning. I'm phoning you and I'll ask you about... uh uh, I heard one lady talking about blue, um, yeah, choke cherry jam didn't want to thicken. Yes. Uh, but I don't know uh, if choke cherries have that pectin in there or not. But I know many, many years ago, my husband has worked. One gentleman asked him about, uh, do you know some green apples? He wanted to make jam, so he needs that pectin. If the apples are too ripe or the plums, I know, then uh, that doesn't set, you know. So I don't know if choke cherries have that pectin in there, too. 
So, yeah. I you know what, Tina, there was, um, and you're on my conversation, because I know that um, we got the the rhubarb sushi re- recipe from you before, okay. and it's now posted. I posted it on um, my website here, so we, if you go on there, you'll scroll over, and people can actually find the picture and copy it down. I, I hope you don't mind. I left it in your own script handwriting for you. Oh, yeah. So it's your part and parcel for you. But um, I was even talking to Mum. Good morning, Mum. Uh, that's there. We were talking about the pectin aspect of it. So I'm wondering if you could take some pectins from other juices and make a combination jam or jelly if they're wanting to use the choke cherries with something else that has a little bit more pectin in it. We never really talked about that portion of it before. Oh, yeah, I know. Just all of a sudden, this lady said that her, her uh, jam or from choke cherries, it doesn't thicken. There's three stones in there, seeds in yeah. there. Then that uh, was thickened. But I know many, many years, over 50 years ago, that I made from, like, the, we, we call them, um, some people call them, um, oh, penna, oh, oh, and it's the wild plums, you know. Pembina oh, plums. the pembina plums? Yes. And many years ago, I had, had we had about three trees like that. And, and I made jam, a jelly, actually, and it, that was just very nice and thick. So that, uh, I know that the plums shouldn't be all too too ripe, you know. Some are a little bit on the green side, so... Yeah. And, oh, I just, my jelly was just nice and thick, so, but I guess I had from my mother-in-law, she told me how to uh, make, make the jelly. But two, uh, two cups of juice and three cups of sugar, and just cook it for maybe three three minutes, whatever, and oh, that just gelled very nicely. Oh, that's good, because sometimes, uh, I I know I tried in my younger years, tried to make it uh, jelly, and it actually turned, I, I'm going to admit, it turned out like rubber. I think I ah. cooked it too long. <laughs> but uh, we all have to have our progressive stages of learning, I guess. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, and it's nice that from one generation to the next that you teach the younger people how to do things, you know, that that's very important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe if it's too green, maybe you say that maybe that's why it gets uh, like rubber, so maybe it was, <laughs> it was too green, you know. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it, 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 it kind of, yeah, well, my jelly, when I first made it, turned out, um, uh, it's kind of like jello. <laughs> uh-huh. Hard jello. Oh, yeah. Hospital jello. There you go. Oh. Yeah. That, that is, and so... Um, I, I never knew that, but uh, the, the fruit was kind of green that had pectin in there, so I learned something new at that time, too. So, And you know what? There's a lot of new jams or a combination of jams that you can make that are just as delicious, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe yep. you could, could use green apples, uh, kind of green, on the green side yet, uh, and uh, choke chairs maybe, well, maybe, maybe could be good jam. Who knows? You, you one never thing you would, know. Yeah, one thing you would have to try it and find out what what kind of fruit you could use together. So that yeah. that is a culinary experiment that's waiting to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Well, well, we have to try that. That's one thing for sure that we would know. For sure, for yeah. sure. Thank yeah. you so much yeah. for calling yeah. in. Yeah, Tina. you're welcome. Have a good day too, and thank you. Yeah. Oh, you're okay. welcome. Nice oh, hearing from you. You're welcome. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. So we go from, um, and I'm so happy because we were just, I was just talking to mom when I got back from a trip about this and we were saying, uh, she mentioned me saying, help mom. So now we, we have Tina to give us a little bit of help on there too as well. 
Now, and we're talking about pears. Um, there are some prairie pears that you can grow in our areas. Like there's the Uri Gold. There, uh, there's pears that you can get on that. So if you're looking at it, and it's very good to have sort of those, your own sort of orchard of products that you can put in. You know, like if you're looking, I know that before we had mentioned um, there's cherries that are good for our area, the the raspberries, apples. Um, like I know, I know I mentioned here on the top, I'm just trying to think of some of the names. Like there's the Yuri pear. There's also the uh, early gold was another one that we sort of had seen that's on it. And I, I can't forget um, golden spice. There you go. You know, on the tip of my tongue, I don't have it. And even just going into some of the plums. It's amazing what we can get grown on our prairies. And if you have the space for it, put them in. It's great. And if you love canning, which seems to be a a little bit more of a trending thing that's happened in the last few years, it tastes so much better. So much better if you grow your own. And that reminds me, when uh, I planted late, you all know that... uh, I got my garden in late because we're so busy at the garden center here. But this morning, I had uh, probably my first ripe tomato. It was a patio tomato, perfect, uh, almost a three-inch in size. And I have to say, I made a lettuce wrap, uh, bacon and tomato lettuce wrap this morning. My husband made it for me. Golly, that was so good. You can tell the difference. Now, I know I told you that we had a new variety called Mountain Man tomato. It has not ripened yet, but it is performing and looking like it's going to be a nice, uh, almost a beefsteak size. It's getting there, but it's still not ripe. My, I, I am just waiting to see what that one is going to be like for sure. So have you had tomatoes yet? I know a lot of people have had some cucumbers. Yes. Zucchinis, of course, if your zucchinis are going and growing, you're going to have lots of those. Just remember, when you want to harvest your vegetables and your your fruit, there is a sort of a, a prime time to do that, specifically with your cucumbers and with your zucchinis. It's amazing that if you leave one zucchini or cucumber for one or even two days, the amount of growth that you can get on them. And I know that uh, zucchinis, if they get past their prime and they get very big, that just means I'm eating a little bit more chocolate zucchini cake, which is nice once in a while, but I really don't need lots of it. Now, there's some few things that I wanted to talk and maybe spur the conversation that's into it. Uh, We've looked at uh, maybe taking a look and walking through your garden to make sure that you are not finding evidence of... um, uh, worm damage that's out there. Uh, we noticed that we're doing our fall crop of uh, kale, flowering kale, and there's also some areas in your gardens yourself that you're going to start identifying holes in them. Now, there's different types of critters that can cause those holes. Uh, if you're on hostas, check for slugs. If you're on your edible crops, check for those cabbage worms because they are out there and you may have to do a little bit of a treatment to be able to get them. So you do not have all those holes on everything. It keeps them kind of crisp and clean. I know that we've been using a little bit of uh, Endol on our kale crops and uh, that is one crop, whether you're doing kale as an edible crop uh, because there are some varieties that you like to have that punch of very 
bold leaves for that transition from your summer garden to your fall garden. But if you're wanting to do it as an edible crop, there is a variety that if you miss this year, you might want to write it down. It's called red boar kale. It's an edible kale, but it also has a beautiful structure in the garden that will transition your gardens and even some containers into that fall look. Uh, we actually took advantage of some of some very large containers here and I always wanted to do a very large display of kale and lo and behold our kale is looking beautiful as a front entrance and a front sort of tease as you come in. Some people are looking at it and going wow because they grow like cabbages. They expand themselves and as they sort of curl and start to open that transition of the colorant or the flowerette is sort of in the inside. So in some of those rich purpley burgundy color tones, the pink center eye is starting to emerge. And of course the greens will open up to a beautiful crisp white colorant on the center. But again, a little bit of care is involved because gardening does not go without bugs or apparently without chipmunks and squirrels. There's always the continuance of sort of sharing some of our things, but there's also a a few things of deterring animals from taking advantage and eating a lot of things. All right. Now, as we flip through, I've got a whole collage of things written down uh, because as we see through the weeks how our gardens are transitioning, and there's a few things being back this week is what's happening. And the number one thing that I have to say is uh, just even lo and behold, yesterday, three people commented, how come my flowers are not as big or they're not blooming as much or the baskets just don't look as full as what they did first in the season? Okay, there's a little rule of thumb that of advice that we need to do for these plants in order to encourage them to either bloom again, freshen up, and encourage new growth. So if you're thinking of your annuals in the beds or the containers, deadheading, if it's a plant that requires deadheading, because there are some varieties like your supertunias, bubblegums, there's some varieties that do not require that dead deadheading aspect. But the beneficial work of doing some deadheading and some slight trimming of back of some of your foliage plants is tenfold the reward for what you're going to get off of your garden. So for those hanging baskets, do a little bit of trimming that's on them, pinch them back. I like to do, if you don't want to do the whole thing and sort of do that, uh, a bowl haircut around the entire thing, do maybe half or maybe one third of every long branch that comes down and falls down. Pinch off the spent heads. Remove those spent blooms because the shutdown on those baskets is because the seed set is taking form. The plant has said, I've made a flower. Now I'm going to make some seeds to continue the season of the seasonality of their growth or their expectations of having more plants. Well, we want to defer that. We want to cut off the seed action production 
so that it encourages the plant to create more branches. And when we get more branches, we're going to get more blossom sets and more flowers. It kind of looks it back, and this is the perfect time to start doing it, because if we do it now, and you might be able to do it again, depending on how late our season goes, you will see that there will be a re-energy or uh, a lush new beginning that's going to happen with it. And the number one thing that we see is when we first get our baskets, you have that dome effect on the pot. Have you looked lately and seen that it's sort of flattened out at the pot and all the growth is near the bottom? By pinching it back, everywhere there's a leaf node set further back is going to be the encouragement of new growth, of new branches. That's what's going to happen. So we're going to pinch and we're going to trim and we're going to deadhead. But the next thing we have to do is keep up with the watering because all those roots that are in those containers are now filling that capacity of that pot. Probably not to full maturity, but it's pretty close. You don't want the plant to dry out. The first thing that's probably going to happen if you go to a point where you are actually very, very dry is you're going to lose your blooms and it's going to look like they're all brown. Especially if you've put lobelia in your baskets. There's some plants that just do not like to go dry. Bacopa, yeah, you don't want that one to go dry because then all those beautiful small flowers that create this mass on here are all going to look brown and it's going to look like a brown basket. Make sure that when you're watering, you water thoroughly throughout the entire basket. If it's a 14-inch basket that's 14 inches round and 8 inches deep, put in as much water in it so that it soaks the whole thing. And just remember, if it rains, that's no guarantee that the water got in there because the foliage acts like an umbrella and sheds it off. You want to make sure it's well wicked up. And maybe a good source of it is if you got someone with a little muscle because it does get heavy when you take them down off of the hook or the, the branching that you have it held on is take them down and let them sit in a bucket of water and drink up the water that they love. And yeah, it's right. It's going to be heavy hanging it up. You're going to get some water running down that arm as a little tickle. But the plant is going to thank you for it because it's having a long, steady drink of moisture if it needs it. And also, too, if you find that your baskets have dried out just even a little bit, The natural action for that is to pull away from the plastic or the wood or the ceramic pot because those root systems in the soil tightens up. So if you water quickly, the water doesn't have a chance to get into that root ball. What does it do? It's like running across a a very dry plain of clay. It's going to go horizontal, find those cracks and go straight down. It's not going to wick back into those soils and make it soft and spongy and expand some of those earth cells that need to be expanded with moisture to hold that for the plant. Hence, if you put it in a bucket of water, that soil is going to fill up with um, moisture, expand again, and voila, beauty again is on its way. The next one, can you guess what it is? It's feeding, fertilizing, encouraging growth. Because they've been in that basket for a while. 
whether you put your slow-release fertilizer, like, you know, the granular little pellets that are in there as a, a constant little feed, or if you're liquid feeding. I like to do both, and I kind of equate it into, and it may be time now to do a little bit, uh, get your jar of uh, uh, granular feed out, your slow release, give it another little shot, put it into, make sure you give it a little bit of a shake so it goes to the top of the soil surface that's on there. That's like preparing a meal and making, uh, you know, peas, carrots, vegetables, and salad, and the kids are only eating a little bit. Well, you give them an additional little vitamin. That granular fertilizer to me is just like that little vitamin that I always give as a constant little feed. The best way for your plants to get the moisture and the and the feed quicker into the cells of the, the plant is by putting in the liquid feed. It's going to be beneficial. All right, Linda's on the line. Good morning, Linda. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. Where are you calling from? Killarney. Oh, well, hello to everyone out in Killarney. Okay. Um, I'm having trouble with my cucumbers. The plants look really, really healthy, and they're blooming like crazy, but there's no cucumber setting. Ah, okay. Do you have uh, other plants, flowers around them? So for pollinating? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, have you ever taken a Q-tip and gone from one to another? No. Okay. Try and help to pollinate it a little bit because um, sometimes within some plants, if you don't have another one that is able to cross-pollinate, and I've done it sometimes with my grandkids. I give them a Q-tip and we call it the dance of the flower. <laughs> we go from one flower to another and try and see if you can cross-pollinate that to see if that's the first action that you can do. Okay. Is it in full sun? Uh, just, well, quite a bit of sun, yeah. Okay, because sometimes with the lack of pollination or the uh, lack of set of some fruit is if it doesn't have enough sunlight. But most gardens, if we're planting, we're in, you know, like we, in the gardening world, six hours of sunlight is kind of considered full sun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, the other thing that has been causing... Sorry, I'm just thinking of all the issues that have been having. Is sometimes when you have extreme temperatures can cause plants to abort, causing them to set up a fruit production. Okay. Okay? It kind of slows that thing down too as well. Yeah. Okay? Now, I'm going to give you all the scenarios, and then you're going to tell me what's happening. Um, make sure that you, when you're watering, that you have even distribution of watering. I know on large fields of gardens that is hard to do because we rely on rain that's on it. But smaller gardens, if you can get a hose to it, make sure that you have consistent watering practices on your crops. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing too is if we're too heavy in nitrogens or fertilizer, we can get lush growth but it usually causes a delay or a, a reset where we have no fruit production. Okay. So those are some scenarios that may be um, in play with what you're doing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And um, I think those are probably the main ones that I'm thinking about right now. Okay. Thank you. Okay. But the first thing, get a, Q, a Q-tip. And if you've got time, a Q-tip or a small... A uh, paintbrush, like a crafter's little paintbrush that you can get at the dollar store and that kind of stuff. That works well, too. Okay. Well, I have quite a big patch, so that would take a while. Oh! 
Okay, I, I have a vision, everyone, of Linda dancing in the cucumber patch. We, you need some buddies to come out there to help you. <laughs> okay. Okay? Yeah, okay, thank you. All right, well, have fun with it, all right? Okay. Okay, take care. I, we have a vision of Linda dancing amongst, amongst the cucumbers. Maybe some friends, uh, if it's going to be warm today, maybe some uh, cool lemonade after the task would be in, in suit for that. But it's funny how when we, it's not funny, I'm sorry, but it's kind of discouraging when you put your plants in and you think that the what they come up to be is not what it is. But that is part of, I'm going to say it's part of the, it's okay, it's a struggle but it's also a challenge. I just had a little message on, uh, someone had just texted me privately. I guess they're listening to the phone. And they were asking for an alternative uh, for the spray that if you have it on worms or on some of your plants. Just remember, there is a, a product too that is called BTK. It's got a big, long Bacillus thuringius gerspaki, uh, I think. Sorry for my Latin on that. But if you go to your garden center, uh, ask them if they have BTK. And BTK is also another uh, product that you can put for a deterrent on uh, worms that are causing a little bit of damage that's in there. And if you are a bird-friendly person that's in there, uh, BTK does not affect uh, the birds if they eat the worms who have had the BTK. So this is a, a friendly process it will I guess not too friendly for the worms but it's friendly on the crop production because you can save some of your uh, aspects on there for the tent caterpillar any type of worm so don't worry about the birds they can still eat and help you with that uh, with that um, problem or that struggle or that challenge that you have that will keep that going and I know it's hard because uh, some you know, I always say some people that come in because I know uh, by experience when people come in, they go, I don't see a worm. Well, if you don't see it, think of them. Those bugs are smart. And you're saying, really? Well, yeah, really. The bugs or the worms are probably going to be A, disguised as green, so it's harder for them to be seen. They're also going to be on the undersides of a lot of the leaves or if you see structures of leaves curling that should not normally be curled up, if you're too squeamish, get out your garden gloves. Open up that leaf because 10 to 1, there is a worm that's going to be nestled inside that is eating away on the structure of that leaf form, inhibiting the plant's ability to full open the plant. Okay? So... And most of the activity, I think they're smart too. They're going to do it early in the morning when the birds aren't all out or later in the evening. So lo and behold, when you wake up in the morning, you're saying, how did I get all these holes in just one night? Well, their activity is then. So BTK is your go-to if you don't want to use Endall and the other ones or um, visit your garden center and yeah, go to the garden center. See what it's like, see what's happening, see what's in bloom, because there's always some uh, things that you visit uh, first thing in the spring, and you may totally miss it, because, yeah, spring color makes people be inspired, but there's a lot of inspiration in the garden centers at different types of seasons. Okay, all right, I just had a pop-up on my feed, and uh, I'm, I'm just, I hope we're talking about weather. We're going to flip it right to the weather. I'm glad that we're 
we're warm and sunny here. I hear it was really kind of a, a little bit cooler last week when I was away. I missed that. But we're getting warm again. And I'm totally amazed. I just got a feed here from a friend. And I hope you didn't get hail damage. There's a lot of hail. I know up in the Nopaming area, I just got uh, some pictures sent to me. Wow. Last night, we did get a fair bit of rain here in the city. It came down very hard later in the evening. And I just got some photos from somebody that says, how about the hail? Well, they're showing some, it actually looks like it's snowed, the amount of hail that they got up there close to Nopaming Park. So I hope your gardens and everything are okay up there. Just think it's giving it, uh, just, I always think of all that hail that hits to the ground. It's almost like uh, uh, ice plunging, you know, when you take a, or even going from a, a cool or a very warm pool to a cool dip, it kind of invigorates you. You can just imagine all that moisture that was in there. So, but yikes, the hail is not a welcoming factor that's on there. Now, one thing, and in my notes here, I have the conversation uh, about maintaining your plants, and it's also maintaining of the perennials too as well. So just remember that most of your perennials, if you give them a slight pinch back too, that they will encourage a second bloom. There's a lot of cultivars that are out there that will kind of now bloom on a second flush if you give them some trimming. Also too, if you want to give a little bit of shape of some of your plants and delay a little bit of that bloom, a little bit of trimming encourages them to thicken up and delay that pop of color because you know our gardens transition from season to season to season. So much to talk about here on the lawn garden. And don't forget too, collated iron for a little bit of that chlorosis. If you have plants that are turning a little yellow, they might need a little bit of extra iron that's in the soil. Or again, give them a little bit of fertilizer. Okay, it's all about feeding our plants and making our gardens look healthy. Thank you for listening, everyone. It's nice to be back on the lawn garden with you. We'll be back next week. Bye-bye, everyone.